0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Toon podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hey, everyone. Rowan is on the deck. Say hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. Mary's in the yard. Say hi, Mary. <laughs> and Mihal Martin, our Taoiseach the leader of the country, is is at the table with us, and it's a huge honor yeah. for us, as you can imagine. So, thanks for taking the huge honor time. for me. Uh,
2: no it's great. It's great thank you. I know, for like, me
1: here. Yeah. like you're the leader of our country of five million people and all the history that comes with it and mm. to you know to take the time out to come talk to us for now mm. is humbling for us. So, huge honor. So, thank you very much.
2: You're very welcome. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, if people want to see you getting grilled, they can watch our tea on any given day. So we're not going to do that. We just want to know, like, um, who is Mihal Martin? What was it like growing up? Do you know, um, what your interests are, what your family is like, and how you kind of got into where you are today. Mm-hmm. So if we go right back, yeah, who is Mihal Martin? And where did you grow up? What was the mother and father situation? And-
2: well, Nihon Martin was born in 1960 uh, on the 16th of August. Uh, and um, in Turners Cross was with a family home. 23 O'Connor Avenue, a terraced house. Um, my mother was a Capwell woman. Uh, her yeah. parents were East Cork. Uh, they'd come into Dunbar Street. They were in the War of Independence. Oh, yeah. uh, grandmother Margaret O'Hearn was a fairly active woman, you know, uh, in the come on helping people to escape from from the mental hospital who were kind of it's a long story, but mm-hmm. some IRA prisoners would end up in the mental hospital through pretending that they the last so to speak. Yeah. She was a nurse there. She'd walk them out, Sean Moylan being one. The grandfather was in the was in the uh, IRA involved in the knock long ambush. So they obviously met, came to Dunbar Street and mm-hmm. then moved up to Capwell. Um, Dunbar
1: Street is near Nanoniegal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: And I still joined the lockdown. There, I know I kind of perfected a five-kilometer walk, like, but yeah. I, I went down Memory Lane because cousins of mine in Gould, where my grandmother was from, she, she it's said that she laid out the clan muld Boys. This was a terrible ambush uh, where a lot of IRA volunteers were, were were killed, and a lot of nasty stuff happened after. The War of Independence and War of Independence time. Uh, and uh, the sister of one of them, we think now stayed with her in Dunbar Street because she went up, some of the bodies were brought to what well, well, is now Collins's barracks. And she mm-hmm. went up with the sister to identify one of the lads and she would have laid out some of them, you know. And um, so I went down just to kind of get the, the sense mm-hmm. like there was other cousins were in Dunbar Street, the shoemakers, the Rays yeah. um, Polly. Uh, and Polly. Uh, and it's just kind of especially like I was born, so we'd walk into town, that yeah. whole area of the South Parish. You know, I, I walked every street of that, like for as a child as in, and for years growing up. So the father then was an outsider Um he had a tougher upbringing than my mother. Uh, in the sense that he grew up in Kankatan. Um His father had come from County Meath. We don't know why. We, some mm. said it was a dispute to do with the farm up there or whatever. Yeah. Um, but what unfortunately. Did say, where yeah.
1: did you say he come from? Clancatan
2: Not too many know, would know where no, that is. It's no, up no. by Collins's Barracks. Okay. St. Luke's area there. He went to St. Patrick's National School. Um, and extraordinary family and life because they they came through a lot of difficulty and trauma early on. His mm. father died, I think, when he was about 14 from a heart attack. And his mother died a year later. And he mm. used to tell the story of she being in St. Finbar's, which is kind of known as the poorhouse then. Yeah. And he would call to her and she, she'd she say to him, like, have you tuppence for, for the for the charwoman, like who'd bring the tea and stuff like that. So then they kind of their, their older sister, Maura, um, she reared them. Uh, the father kind of got into the Irish army say, at about 15. and mm. uh, went to Castle Connell. He's two older brothers, one, a stepbrother whose father had been killed in World War One. Uh, he was out in India, um, but the other brother, Philip, was in Singapore. And um, f- at, uh, and Philip was captured at the fall of Singapore by the Japanese and was three years in a, concent- uh, in, in a prison of war camp, and they thought he was dead. Mm. And he came out eight stone um, right. and the younger sister had to go to an orphanage in Cove to be reared for a couple of years. Maura looked after the younger brother, Dick, um, and was very anxious about my father mm. because years later we went up to the consbergs the and they had all the file in them, you know, and there's loads of letters from Auntie Maura. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Can you get Paddy back? Like, yeah, uh, he, yeah, his brother's coming back with malaria from India or whatever. Uh, and um, but she held them together. And when he came out of the army, then he um, he learned boxing in the army. Uh, he became a boxer. Glen Boxing Club. Uh, he joined the Glen Boxing Club, lived in Spangle Hill uh, with Maura and Massey um, and Infernary, and uh, they were sort of that was his real family growing up. And John know, lives in Mayfield. John would be would have been a, an athletics coach with with Lee Vale uh, and, and Jackie and, and, and Eileen. And, and Morris was a uh, passed away. Um, unfortunately, it was a great actor mm-hmm. in, in, uh, with, with Druid Theatre Company and so on. Um, but Paddy, really, there was a very close bond between the two families because mm-hmm. of that sort of background, you know, They're like um, if you
1: would think like it's un- an unbelievable amount of trauma to happen to one yeah. family, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
2: It is, and uh, never really talked about, you know. Mm. And looking back, I often sort of say we should have done a bit more. Mm. And I, mem- I remember my own mother saying to me, Look, you are the first family that your dad really has experienced, in the sense of growing yeah. up normally or naturally, or.
1: Yeah. And you is, know, it, is it like you've got. Um Republican roots So like, and when you were growing up in that household, did you really feel that Republican presence? Are we always interested in like Irish history and?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, there's no question on my mother's side, I would use this, my mother, it was my mother's DNA, like her yeah. grandparents, her parents, sorry, were just uh, very active um, in, 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 the war of independence. Uh, my grandmother died too young, really. I was only two years of age uh, oh, yeah. and uh, I missed that. Like cause she was the matriarch. She yeah. was the political. My father would say that to me like that. She very strong willed. I say a bit of a firebrand, you know, yeah. uh, and took no nonsense yeah. um, and um, and in Capwell, years later, the young the lads would tell me that she was the, not the, like she would, she would, at that time people were laid out in homes and so on like that, and she was the woman that would be called for yeah. to lay somebody out and so on mm-hmm. like that. and they used to all run away then because there was a tradition and you'd throw the, the water that had to clean the corpse, you'd throw that after the corpse yeah. or yeah. after the hearse. And so there was all that kind of folklore around her, you know, yeah. so, yeah, but the father was more of a thinking sort of nationalist or Republican because he came from a background where because they live near Collins' barracks, there was a lot of pressure on them to go and join the British Army. they be look local, local guard would say to him, Look, mm-hmm. you you should join the army. He's all brother Philip did. Um and but he kept that quite too, you know. Like it might be hard for us
1: to imagine. Like, but back in those days, Collins' barracks was occupied by the British Army. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so that's people, right. Do you that's know what I mean? right. the People yeah. might have yeah. like yeah. we ex- like people love younger generations don't associate Collins Barracks with the soldiers yeah. that are up there today is one of my cousins and, up there and, I, like, and like
2: it was also like it was your route out of poverty like mm-hmm. this was a job uh philip got into the engineering corps there and I th- we think that's what a lot of people say the japs kept the engineering corps I mean, he wasn't a fully qualified engineer don't get me wrong but yeah. they needed them to build roads and bridges yeah and so some of them survived you know and it's interesting you know in politics you know my father was because I, I don't know what, ha- you know, in terms of his influences. Mm. And he fought hard against Johnny the British Army, like as a young fellow. I just find this extraordinary, mm. the independence of mind that he has two older brothers. Mm. One of them became a communist, Jackie. The, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Jackie <laughs> declared himself a communist. And was a very funny guy. Uh, and Jackie would pretend like that he was a map reader. Not pretend, he told me he was a map reader. And then he spent most of the war walking around in circles to avoid conflict. Uh, that was. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Philip then became a conservative member in England right, Uh, and uh, became a great football scout as well, and he was a great soccer player and he played with the British Combined Services during the war. Um, And then we got letters back from my first cousin in England when I was doing some article recently. And there you have letters from him to Knott's forest manager. Oh, yeah. you could this fellow's coming back he went up to yeah. the Middle East after the war serving British Air, could be a handy fella you know and there was kind of correspondence between different footballers yeah. you know so sport was a massive thing in the family mm-hmm. uh, Dick then the younger guy he was a lifelong member of the British Labour Party he followed Philip over mm-hmm. uh, and, it's, and then my father is a mad phenophile supporter yeah. so there was no unity
1: in the family because <laughs> <from the> of political <laughs> ideologies and the only
2: unity but, was when Philip came out of prison out uh, of the prison war camp <laughs> they end up in Cork like and they go on town, like, the rantine oh. like <laughs> and they're going to form a transport company now that all died the following day
3: (laughs) (laughs) interesting (laughs) conversations about politics anyway I'd say maybe heated after the few pints I
2: I used to love when they'd come
3: home from England you know
2: because you've got a different perspective you know Mm. Um, and uh, there was a fume gas as
3: well I'd say characters like
2: Ah, the great characters, yeah. but they, they, they had life experience from very young, you know. So yeah. in
4: there, in were, there were there
3: diff- were there were different people back then too. Even you were saying mm-hmm. about your grandmother, like I, I was thinking about my own grandmothers as well as you were thinking about. And I was saying it, and I was saying they were powerful women. They kept the families together, and they were so strong, you know. And the men just done whatever they were told as well, because the women were the ones who fed them. And kept everything together, boiled a them in. A strong lot of element
2: truth of truth that, you know. Yeah. And uh, what was interesting, I was, during the War of Independence period, Like they told me about what they were coming over Parliament Bridge, you know, and there was a British Army checkpoint, and uh, they had a German Maser, um, which was the kind of standard issue for the... the the, the IRA at the time, which came from Germany, yeah. and uh, but she hit it up her skirts, like. But that time they didn't really search women either. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I asked the head of the, the museum in Dublin about this in a lecture re- like some years ago in West Cork, because I was this was intriguing me. Like, how mm. did they get, how did yeah. I get through <laughs> 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 you wouldn't get through today. You know? No, <laughs> no, no.
1: And you went to Clash yeah. of uh, Yeah, just to say, my
2: own upbringing was it was like kind of like the sixties, very enjoyable. Um, yeah. I mean. I don't know, have you ever read Roddy Doyle's uh, stuff, you know, in Dublin around yeah, the 60s yeah, yeah. and 70s? A bit like that. There was five, six, seven, eleven, ten in families, you know, mm-hmm.
1: kids everywhere. Have you many siblings?
2: Uh, uh, I've, we had five in our family, yeah. uh, two sisters and two brothers. I'm a twin. Oh, I'm good. a twin with Paddy. Very handy. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Well, not identical, but he, he, the fellas never messed with him, like, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's,
1: was he a boxer like your dad? He <laughs> no, no, was quiet, like, but yeah. if you if you messed around, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. fellas knew then, like.
2: Yeah off him a bit, you yeah, know, and therefore fiery, I, kinda, yeah. I got away with it and <laughs> <Nah, laughs> that nah, nah. kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And um, so we used to, uh, we'd play soccer up in Belfast and in, in Belfast Park. Mm. Uh, we'd great friends up there. You'd have the same teaming families there. You could get five or six playing against five or six, and you know, on the yeah. street, no problem. The narrow was a very small part of the O'Connell Crescent that was our theatre of dreams, if you like. So we mm. played soccer. Then Nemo Rangers was close by. Turners Cross is there. That's right. We were Kirk Celtic supporters. And we'd be out then in the freezing cold like watching them training and all that kind of stuff Mm. you know and then i joined nemo um, because my cousins were involved in nemo uh, and colin murphy would have been he won about eight counties with nemo and he asked us one day myself and party would you come out to the street leagues and that was the beginning then of a lifelong sort of membership involvement in nemo which is kind of Mm just like your family you hurling a football or ball. we're more football we played hurling as well yeah. you know um, that was a great laugh like for Nemo fellas to come up to the north Side to play hurling was a, was, a, was, a, was an act of bravery you know? <laughs> <laughs> we said we great we'd obviously yeah. identified a few fellas who wouldn't get on the bus <laughs> who'd be, be conveniently missing that I them
3: their mother's my phone and like he's sick today, he's sick he today. Yeah.
2: especially if we're up to play in the piercing yeah, <laughs> <Whatever. yeah>. well, <laughs> yeah. you know
3: there'd be a good few um
2: Strong supporters uh, on, on the sidelines up in the piershigs, yeah. uh, but uh, I used to enjoy it. And um, but,
1: but- there a big rivalry even back in back in the, back in your day between the the Glen the and the Southside clubs in the city. Yeah, but
2: I'd so i have I a first fondness for the Glen then because of the father. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. that yeah. still is there, even at the last county final now. Like, i have kind of teaching that you're kind of mining up matters like a bit, mm. you know. Next minute, just five minutes to go. I think <laughs> to the semi final, actually. And Bob Ryan says to me, it says, beginning to stories." <laughs> <laughs>
3: You and know, you're just the- mad to scream and start go on again <laughs> he- they're all watching you but you could feel yeah. me going like it's on the front of the news <laughs> then the next day oh god
2: so that kind of that's yeah. there because the father would yeah. ream off the great like the father was in the heyday of cleanse success you know the rings the yeah. uh, Hartnett's um, all of those Johnny Donovan all those people there were household names in our household. Yeah. And it, and then the Glenwood great hurling team and so on like that. And uh, so I think he had a great sporting life. And I think sport was his mm. way to a, a really good, interesting, quality life. He yeah. met great people. He toured Italy with the Irish boxing team. Mm. That time in the 50s, boxing was massive in Cork. Yeah. And in the City Hall, we jammed every Friday night with people coming out of work getting their sandwiches few pints into the city hall Mm. there'd be boxing tournaments on and Mm. when I went into politics I was knocking on doors in Bellevian and I had all my ideas like what I was going to do and first question like are you anything to the champ you know that was was his nickname the champ are you anything to the champ and I said I am yeah well if you're half the man he was no we'll give you a vote like that (laughs) so I went back I I went back to the the team and said Lens, we better put a line into the literature <laughs> yeah. to sign the sun off because <laughs> the, the rest doesn't resonate rest uh, <laughs> doesn't matter what you want to do doesn't matter it's Back who you are and boxer and it was yeah. a great fight he fought and look I, I I've said this before he fought a guy called Joe Bygraves who later became British Empire Heavyweight Champion fought Johansson for the world title fought beat him over six two minute rounds Go ahead in his early days obviously in the yeah. City Hall and that was then the next question like yeah. I, oh, they, it's so, not a question I was there the night he beat Bygraves you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So, anyway, you know, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic.
1: History. It's just something to be proud of, isn't
2: yeah. it? Ah, yeah. We, we kind of over time, you know, yeah, over yeah. time. Yeah,
1: it's probably when you're younger, you don't really, uh, you can't really appreciate it. When you get a little bit older, you look back, you say, "No, I hated something. You know, something special." Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah.
2: And yeah. I think we all got a singlet each. Then when he died, I, the sister had them, and she just gave us one each. You know, the, yeah. the jersey that we that he would have worn on the Irish team, and so We've on. Lovely, crystal
1: ring, picture on the yeah.
2: Jizzle,
1: was, mm. it's cool, isn't it? Fantastic,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: But there's a great there's a great he, picture of Christy Ring there training down in um, the Mardike with yeah. the Shaky Bridge in the background. Yeah. And it's you know, there was a brilliant documentary about Christy Ring there on not here. No, it was the last year or the year before, like, but it's such a legend of a man, you know, even mm. like his personality and his charisma, but mm. then like he played for the Glen, you know, and he was training down in the Maddike. Yeah, you no, know, these places Olympic, where we, I mean, grew he was, and where we yeah. frequent.
2: He was a true legend, you know. I yeah. mean, my father adored him like the, played Gaelic football with him Ring was a good Gaelic footballer played corner forward with Knicks and uh, had like and Ring was a fierce competitive person like yeah. he hated losing and yeah, the kind fall, of rough around the edges if the father made a mistake like to be murdered and all that kind of stuff yeah. and um, and and they got on famously well you know mm-hmm. um, and um, but like, you telling us you got him a job well, yeah, the, he said to the father, "Look, I'm leaving. See, so I ain't getting a job there, so there's a job there for you, um, Larry, driving." That's right. Which which the father took up, um, and um, and like they'd have the odd Barney as well. Like you know, yeah. there was a famous story told at my father's wedding by the best man. I won't go into this too long. Like, but basically, the father had fought in Milan the previous week against a guy called the Designey, uh, who was the European champion, and they'd fought twice, Rome and Milan. Sydney won. Uh, Faro comes back next week, plays with St. Nick's, makes the hands of it, tries the ball wide. Ringy gives him a kind of, what were you doing? Like he said, you could have tapped the ball into the net. A few expletives in between, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but you had to blast it wide. at Ford. You could have had your name up in lights, Ring said to him, you know, mm. if you tapped it in at Ford. I said, don't you be talking to me about having your name up in lights. He says, when you're out in Milan. Out in Milan, he says, up in lights. He says, Martini, Irlanda versus the Signi, Italia.
1: And you can talk about having your name up in lights. It's true I, I was told that when he was seventy yeah. <laughs> There's not many people put Christy Ring in their place, I can no, imagine. But, no. was, was... but they were
2: no, he he taught and he taught us then, you see, which I've taught my kids, which is kind of a bit mad, like. But yeah. the father said to me, Don't don't ever let anyone tell you that anyone was better than Christy Ring, right? Mm. In hurling, or oh, that ever anyone ever will be, you see. So I kind of grew up as a gospel. Yeah. And I told my father then when he was four. Look, I said, There'll be all sorts of debates and arguments, but don't you ever let anyone tell you that there was anybody better than Christy Ring.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Jack Lynch died about a year or two later and Michal's in primary school and the teacher was saying, we must all pray no for Jack Lynch. Uh, I know, it's my foot says, everybody's praying for Jack Lynch and there's nobody praying for Chris Turing, <laughs> <laughs> So like, talk about the yeah. capacity to indoctrinate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: but um, So oh. you went to Chris Three school, you were involved in the, you, you never got into boxing yourself? No, we never... it kind of died down in 60s in the Cork the
2: mother wasn't keen about it we got boxing gloves from Senti yeah 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 uh, and we'd box in the front garden and we'd box in the front room Mm. what was it Uh, like in school for you? I loved it yeah genuinely I just adore I mean Crease Street to me was just a bit of magic really you know we went to the Skull Crease Street so we were just around the corner Mm. and then we automatically went into secondary school yeah it was like we're, we're a big sporting family. You kind of gather that note. So when I went in in 1973 to class Creed 3, are in an All-Ireland final, right? There's about eight past pupils from Creed 3 on that team. So the first month in Creed 3 in history class, there's a brother column there, the late brother Cullum, And he spends that month going through the tactics of how Cork can win the All-Ireland, you know? I mean, this was mm. your introduction to Clash Street mm. And for me, it was great. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, how to how he, there was a great central spine in that team, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then you see like 3 then, or sorry, uh, Cork win. <clears throat> I couldn't get to the match. I had a broken hand. I think that was an excuse by the father. He took the twin brother. <laughs> he probably had only, you know, he couldn't take two maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I watched it on television and still... Indelibly imprinted in my mind, you know mm. Jimmy Barry Murphy, skinhead at the time. Mm. I'd gone to the Munster final in the All-Ireland grounds, five goals, five goals in the semi-final, and my Holly Harris says, "Jimmy Barry Murphy, what's he going to do? It's a goal, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to take him off now because I get into real trouble." Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a ma- and then they come to Street and that team. Uh, when we were in the primary school, Street were winning Harty's they were winning carnivores. Uh, so it, we were, I said it recently at Nemo, like when we were doing an event because Nemo's 50 uh, um, sort of anniversary uh, coming up mm. and we, uh, you know, our centenary, sorry. And I was saying to them, you know, I was born in a kind of golden age of Cork mm. football in my mm. parish. Creeps 3 flying, Nemo's doing very well, begins to win his first counties. Cork wins in All-Ireland. Yeah. And I was just, and then Cork went three All-Irelands in the mid-70s. And um, so, and then uh, academically, you see, we would have been the first really going to second level in our family. So mm. the mother and father were big into education. And that's what well, that's, that was their aim, get mm. them an education. And so uh, history was my favorite subject, English. Um, and
1: um, yeah, similar <coughs> myself, like when I was in uh, school, uh, it was always history and English was what I was most interested in and the strongest at, And it helps you then, you know, in college later on, you mm. know, a natural mm. flair for language and natural curiosity to learn. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, And and did you have that when you went into your college days?
2: In college, I found college, we, we were the first going to college as well but I found that for, I found the first year very difficult in college mm. I, I found kind of I was kind of walk, get home every night and get back out to Nemo I used to be training underage teams I just found it hard to integrate into first year in college mm. um, and there was a few guys from Crease Street there and a few guys from more kind of background if you like there mm. but then in second year I opened up you know you meet more people
1: uh, yeah. and third year then do you I really sure a lot school. as well like when you're you a young person like mm. you know when you were when yeah. you were finishing secondary school did you know what you wanted to do or or was it just you went into arts did you
2: i did i mean so. the arts. i wanted to be a history teacher yeah. i kind of settled on that you know yeah and um did the dip then did a masters in his in history um
1: after the dip mm. Uh, And was it like And I also met Mary
2: My wife there as well You said I kind of fell in love then And some people felt
1: The Masters was an excuse Your wife was a lecturer for my mother out in CIT When she did The community education Development degree She said that to me last night. Did she? Yeah she she was So hi to me man And hi to your wife I tell her that now (laughs) But (laughs) um, What was it like uh, in university being the first from your family? And was that like a whole new, a whole new <clears throat> thing for your, your family? It was a big thing for your family. It was, yeah. I think it was. I didn't kind of, we didn't
2: dwell on it. At all. I think the mother loved it. Mm. And I often think the mother often would say she she wasn't a keen fan of me going into politics. Father was. Although I never saw myself going into politics like when I was in college. You know, I joined a funeral coming in college. But I never saw myself as a TD. Mm. Uh, and I say that to young people, you know, don't ever kind of predict. You know, you you, you may go down. Uh, sorry, what I say to young people is, do what you love, do mm-hmm. what you like. So yeah. I went into study history and I did what I liked in yeah. a way. And people are saying you'll never get a job as a history teacher. There's very few of them. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But you you never know where it leads. Is my point. And yeah. uh, you know, there's people. I was just reading this morning about it, the entrepreneur of the year, a guy, uh, is a, O'Sullivan from from from, from oil, like and he kind of started out never realizing he'd be where he is mm-hmm. today. You know, uh, and that, I think there's a bit of that in life too you know mm. and you can't with precision kind of predict what you're going to do in and life. there's no such thing
1: as a wasted education no, like no. you could go in no. and do arts you might never work in that specific mm. topic but the transferable skills you learn along the way you know scheduled in working towards a deadline you know time management you know pursue like starting something and finishing something mm. these are all character building that you could take into any industry that later around, true, yeah. Yeah. it that gets you ready though.
3: for life as well like, you know i, I like, when I left college after doing the degree in, in construction management, like, the stress levels that were created during doing all the assignments in third and fourth year, when I came back out, the stress of the, the construction industry at the time was fucking, it was ridiculous. People falling in, you know, it actually yeah. got me ready for the outside world. Yeah, that's an world, interesting point,
2: you know, because, you know? like, you're saying that. Sort of the actual stress of doing the exams yeah. and stuff stands it to you later
3: get, on. It gets, it, gets, it, yeah. it gets you ready for when you're actually going out there and I you're on book
2: and like, I read a book when I was doing the H-dip yeah. by a guy called John Holt. Don't know him. You yeah. do a bit of psychology like, when you're doing yeah. the dip right? And he said, the greatest motivating thing in life is the fear of failure, yeah. which I thought was an extraordinary yeah. revelation when you think about it. And I remember, do you know the way in some courses you're not studying as well as you maybe should be? Or, or, yeah. And you're kind of... you're. you're Suddenly, yeah. uh, the deadline's arriving, like, and you yeah. got the exam in about three days. And you're, I remember looking at myself and saying, You're some idiot you know,
4: mm. <laughs> to, to myself, you know, yeah.
2: before I got down to try and yeah. get, get ready for mm. the exam, you know. And that was the motivation, like, i yeah, yeah. not failing this yeah. thing, like, Not but, like a deadline to get something done, <laughs> isn't it? No. Or the fear of failure like it's yeah. a fear, but, it's, but failure it's a, a a, that's not a healthy pressure either no it's not but I do get your point about mm. the sort of what you're saying the stresses and you know because I felt the leaving circle mm. was the toughest exam
3: I ever did
4: oh really
2: psychologically preparing yeah. for it I didn't find third level as
3: tough was was that pressure you put on yourself or was it pressure from your first from, major from exam from parents, or any, yeah no, the suppose. parents really weren't yeah. the parents want us to X Y and Z like the most yeah
2: mother would love when I would read a short story that I'd written yeah she thought I'd be a writer or something yeah. like that you know but the mother in fairness to them they had the balance yeah. right you know yeah. um and um, uh, but but their job was to they saw it as making sure you got the opportunity you yeah know? yeah um and and um, but I think we do, you know, the Leaving Cert, by na- by even now, I keep saying to you, it's the, it's the toughest exam you'll ever do, yeah. I say to students. You know? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, do you think there's think a lot of pressure? Is- I, I think there is. And some of it's yeah. maturity. Like yeah. our kids all started at five and yeah. terms of a kind of conscious decision of ours. Yeah. Uh, they're they're older when they're doing the leaving cert um, and yeah. no the other side of that is you're older when you're doing a lot of other things yeah. but you're more mature going through second level right. uh, and i think i used to teach adult education you know i used to do night classes for leaving cert repeats when i was in st karen's college in Cam- camden place uh, key and th- their motivation was huge mm. there was never a problem and uh, not everyone's motivation is yeah. is it where it should be yeah. at eighteen or nineteen. You know, yeah. it's natural that an eighteen year old might have other things on his course, or her mind. Yeah. yeah, and we're we're expecting. Look, there's not other way of doing it in some respects, but mm-hmm. we're expecting everybody to be optimally. Yeah. At the exact point at 18 years of age in yeah. our system, right? And that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. I think it's got much better since our day in the sense that you have pathways now, you have Feet Tech, he Tech, mm-hmm. which I was involved in bringing in ed- education. And I think the most important thing we've changed in the last 20 odd years is that the learner is becoming center stage now mm-hmm. as opposed to the institutions. There yeah. was a lot of snobbery between. Universities, institutes of technology, or the regional colleges at the time, and colleges of further education. Mm. Whereas, issue there, there shouldn't really be like mm. it should be. How can we enable that person to get from A to B, irrespective of what location yeah. they're doing the study?
4: Yeah,
2: and I remember Dick Langford, who was a former CEO of the Cork City VUC, was a great leader in education at this city, and he became the national head of. What was togasque at the mm-hmm. time and what became the qualifications framework and he made that point to me many years ago you know this really is about making the learner mm-hmm. center
1: not the institution yeah in my, in yeah, my, my previous my previous employer there, cocky to be but in my time there you know we would have worked with um ucc and CIT, but there was tremendous collaboration there and it was even with my, even in my role now with drug and alcohol so if i'm helping somebody in an application for a college and you generally kind of throw an access officer or something in the colleges like it's dependent on the needs of the learner, and CIT will refer into UCC yeah, if that's what's that's the most idea. appropriate, mm-hmm. yeah. and vice versa. You know, so I I I echo what you're saying there. Like the learner is at the centre, and there is great collaboration and co between the institutions that probably traditionally would be more kind of compete, com, uh, being Absolutely. competitive against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and like before the qualifications framework came into being, the levels, you know, yeah. tax and tax. You could get a primary degree in, in, in CIT and it would hardly be recognized in terms of getting onto a master's. You might you wouldn't get the recognition you deserve if you had right. to go to university. Yeah. You know, And there was a lot of that going on mm. uh, of institutional snobbery. And I think it's been transformed and it needs to continue. And in fairness to... The current presidents of both institutions and the colleges and the VC of etb now yeah they're all working much more as you say collaboratively yeah. together to help people and i think yeah.
1: the, the fee tax and the QQI courses like they were like mean to me and timmy didn't go straight into
3: university or sat yeah.
1: mm-hmm. you start out on your level fours or your level fives right. and and that that's a brilliant route that's for a lot of people mm-hmm. that's it like that's yeah. that was the whole idea of that you know and we it,
3: spoke about the last day when you were up in terms of my the college it's not every route is, it's not for, the, the one route is not for everybody. I keep you saying know? that to people. Um, because some th- people aren't ready for college immediately after secondary school, no. you know. They're not. They're no, not. They're, no not. they're not. Because yeah. I, I, like my own experience with being in the inside in the classroom out in college with 18 and 19 year olds, the first second, the first year, at least half of the class falls off because... The, a lot of the lads are from the this, the country and they're coming in have the free role and they're not used to being free from the mother and father and they're stuck in the college and they're out every night and their studies then are being left at the side you know and when we got into the fourth year and fellas screw up through the first three years I see and they were about 21 years of age I see fellas just flourishing just like overtaking people, like just Really, yeah, unbelievable, yeah. and I seen one guy in particular. Like, but there was six or seven of them, and they were all they just took off in fourth year because they knew it was the year. You no, know, yeah. we can't mess about. But they all matured. Yeah, you know, I think it's fantastic. And, and like, it took me. <laughs> It took me 30 years to reach to that level. You, even, know, like, you, know, you, know, you know, my education journey started yeah. at 32. And then well, I was, really, I was and really that, which I think is extraordinary. Yeah. Because
2: you know, no. yeah. <laughs> remember, I was doing, I'm, I'm big into early education, you know, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, and I read somewhere, you might not hear this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. We all learn more in life mm. between zero and three than we will for the rest of our life. Yeah, right. perfect. So the importance of really stimulating and helping the zero to three group. Yeah. Is, is central to later mm. performance, later kind of confidence and all of that, you know, mm. but for what you did, that was extraordinary. Yeah. If you don't mind me saying so. 100% I to, I think, to be able to yeah. to pick up. And I yeah. read how you, yeah, but did your the reading, drive. did the alphabet, did everything like it, literally. You,
3: you said it earlier on there about education. Education is critical. And for me, like I lived a life of crime before that um, for many years because I knew nothing else. I grew up in a neighborhood where crime was it, all we ever knew. But when I went into, uh, when I stopped using alcohol and drugs and I didn't want to be involved in crime anymore because I had young kids, I knew that education was my key to something else. I didn't know at the time, you know, but I knew if I educated myself and learned more about life, that the limits are, it's it's limitless. I could do anything with my life, you know.
2: Absolutely. And it's career is but also in, yeah. your own development like yeah. I mean just just to pick up a book and be able to read it yeah. or watch a debate or, or whatever
1: you know yeah. but even, even like to be able to sit and have a conversation with T-Shocks, you know what I mean. Like, to, it gives you the confidence, it gives you the vocabulary to have more agency with your life. You know what I mean? To staff yes, the yes, podcast, yeah, to be yeah. able to be an advocate for others who aren't as fortunate as us, you know. And to be able to kind of, you know, it, it's just it's great. But something that she talks about there around the pressures of the leaving, sort of like there is a lot of pressures on certain students and and students in general to like know what you want to do for the next four years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But for a lot of the time. A level five in the College of Comick, um, mm-hmm. St. John's or uh, Stefan Eiffel, you can grow a lot and mature a lot in that 12 months. Correct. I
0: think I mean? it's
2: very important that young people keep get, getting that message that there's a number of routes now to where you want to get and not to panic you know exactly and lots of routes there now like. and it's not a lesser
3: route either no absolutely not in fact oh, it can be a yeah. more enhancing route of course you know. not. Yeah. we should probably be saying that to some a lot of the parents a lot of the parents need to know that they do they you do, know yeah. Yeah, like yeah. It, I was speaking to one lady yesterday at a job and and um, she was telling me about her daughter going through secondary school and doing the leaving sort of the year before or whatever. And she said, fucking hell. She said, the amount of pressure. She said, I actually thought she was going to have a breakdown. Yeah, yeah. She said, what if you do when I have a daughter who's 14 yeah. and she's doing the junior this year and she said, just leave her off. She'll grow. She'll find her own way. Leave her off. Don't pressure them because you can imagine the amount of pressure they're putting on themselves as is. And it makes a lot of sense. And And what we were just saying about like, like, they leave in Sort of parents don't pressure them. Leave them, they'll find their own way. We all will find our own way. We'll find their own
2: way, yeah. And uh, guidance is more important than sort of, yeah. you know, you got to guide people in a yeah. direction. You know, they know themselves too. You know, oh, yeah. they, they do. You know, <laughs> uh, people kind of have, but have their own sort of doubts. Yeah. Uh, I keep saying one message I say to young people, and uh, is that very few of us have confidence actually mm-hmm. in ourselves. And I say to young people, and I, say, and I like going into classrooms. I get a bit of energy from talking to young people. Um, is, you know, try and develop self-esteem and self-confidence because mm. th- those are the keys. Yeah. Um, and I would say, like, a lot of industries say to me, multinationals, that they can't get over the quality of Irish people and young Irish people that come into their companies. Mm. And I kind of say that back to young people. to say, that they're talking about you, actually. You need to believe a bit more in yourself. Mm. I think the modern era, it's kind of much, but I, I go to the young scientists. I've been going to the young scientists every year for the last 20-odd years. Uh, I spend hours there meeting young people and so on. No, I can't the last two years because it's virtual. Yeah, I leave that's one of the most optimistic things I go to. Mm-hmm. And we've clashed a column.
1: Did, did yeah. they won that in a in the couple did. of years? Then, oh, yeah. they've done fantastic. Blowney interviews. won it for a couple, couple years years of years. As as well. Yeah, Kinsale. That's right. Yeah, so we've Cork is yeah.
2: one of the strongest counties in it. That's right. And I think that goes back to the science teachers associations of yesteryear who... You've come and promote science in the city, and in the county, and I suppose the fact that we've industry now, life sciences, you know, the pharmaceuticals, the medical device companies,
1: the apples—that's mm-hmm. all spawning kind
2: of an interest mm-hmm. in, yeah. in in those areas. You know, you
1: said something there which I wanted to pick up on, but it was around um, when you speak to multinationals. You know, they're always kind of mm-hmm. uh, complimenting. To it. There could be some scepticism around, like, "Oh, drawing hair for the the taxes and all that," yeah. you know. But it's actual genuine interest in the quality of the Irish workforce.
2: Oh, there's no question. I yeah, mean, there yeah. would be, I mean, many of them are here a long, long time now. Yeah. Like, you take Eli, Eli, Eli Lilly and Kinsale, for example. And I was known to them recently. Um, they've now built the largest solar farm in Ireland in, in a farm that they used to use for cows and that yeah. they just wanted a buffer zone or own yeah. factory. But they've, I mean, they've been the bedrock of that. Area industrially and we the Kinsale we, area. but they would up. say it's the quality of yeah. it's
1: the. It's We grew up next to Apple computers in yeah. Hollyhill as well, yeah. Eh? Yeah. which is the European headquarters. Yeah.
2: And again, they will say to you, you know, uh, in pharmaceuticals yeah. or in Apple, it's the quality of the workforce gets them through. You know, mm. um, but we need
3: them here as well. Michal. we need we, we need them, them yeah. these yeah. companies yeah. here to. I remember our Apple workforce. was
2: nearly gone here. You yeah,
4: know? Yeah.
3: yeah. Late, Joe yeah.
2: Gantley went out to um, yeah. They were going to leave like. Yeah, but it was, oh, on yeah. The, it was on the cusp. We nearly, you know, but then he went out to um, uh, to convince them that we could do a lot more than just assembly here.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and so you, you've all this, all these range of functions that are carried out now in in, in, in Holly Hill yeah. uh, that's that for, for Europe and for the EMEA region,
1: uh, Asia and so on. So it's it's a very important center for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of um, Clash the Column, actually yeah. they did really well on the school, Frido Stable Public School. But we had a conversation around this It's mm. in news at the moment, but we spoke with Philip Flynn from the Terms of yeah. and And um, the school feeder table is great for some schools, but it's not to take from the people that go into apprenticeships and the College of Comms and the St. John's, either, you know what I mean? Because they I were, don't believe
2: in school feeder tables. Like, in fact, when, one of the things I did as Minister of Education was to ban
1: league tables. Yeah. Uh, cause they're not fair
2: comparators, mm-hmm. um, and, um, no bit by bit, they're sneaking out different ways, you know, That's but right. I was, no, not everybody agreed with me. Um, but my views were very clear that, um, you know, it was creating an unfair perspective. I mean, to me, teachers in schools where, where there would be much more challenging situations, exactly, they're performing. Unbelievable. Beyond yeah. the limits in terms of what they're doing, you know, in, in enabling people to get on a life journey and, and, and enjoy education and get through education. Mm. Like, um, I knew Phil, I, I was in college with Phil. Like, oh, uh, that's right. Uh, just said that. We did Irish, same Irish class. Uh, okay. I did Irish in history uh, for the major in that. Like, I, I think the work, I think there's a lovely atmosphere in the school. Yeah. I've been up there a couple of times yeah. on the last two years and it's just, it's a real, like a, it's like a community mm. as opposed to school. That's yeah. the sense I have. It, it has is, changed yeah. dramatically. And, and, and it's, it's
1: around, like, the, the, the development of the young person. Yes. and, and like, academic is important. And, you know, to, you know. Be able to recite Irish poetry and be able to yeah, know yeah. Shakespeare and Macbeth and come out of school. Mm. Now that's all important, but you, you you need life skills too. You need, you need life do skills. The, too, yeah. do the restorative practice. Another school that you'd be familiar like, with would be the Cork Life Centre. Yes, and Dan yeah, would be a yeah. friend yeah. of our own as well. Like, but yeah. it's about the development. Well, I was working with Dan all year to try yeah.
2: and get right. things sorted. Right. Like, right. Right. A, right. A, yeah. tough man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but I hope to call on there like at some stage. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's done tough time himself. I know that. I know that. And our thoughts and our support are
3: with him. Exactly. That school. Bigger. That that we me and James have been speaking about what they do in that school, and <clears throat> if if the likes of me growing up had something like that around that area, a chance, yeah, yeah, I would have had my life could have been a completely different place because I could have never sat inside in a classroom and focused because of uh, of an, an 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 diagnosis of being dyslexic, dyslexic yeah. and whatever was going on at home but if we had something like that where it's more of a focus on the, the actual student themselves and what they are capable of doing instead of what they can't do and um, i think if we had more schools yeah, like yeah
2: you see i remember way back in the in the in the, in the not way back in, in in the 90s youth reach came into its own right That's which was right. seen as an alternative model for young people who my wife works yeah. in, for my youth reach Oh, does moment, she you know, yeah, yeah. yeah very good yeah and because Bertie Heron led that actually from the Ministry for Labour. It's interesting. It didn't yeah, come from yeah, education yeah. originally. Yeah, yeah. But then that that's done by the ETB. I remember actually. Father Rocks of years back down in, in, in uh, Father Matthew Street Yeah. used to do something similar. Now, Don has moved it on and, mm-hmm. and, and, and in terms of the life centre. Quite, quite unique, isn't Quite unique. But I think the message is really like there's no one size fits all. Yeah. Like, this is a challenge because we're a small country. Nationally, our education system is seen as a good one, good quality overall right teaching etc etc so the system has always been reluctant or has lacked the flexibility to accommodate different models um and if you accept that it's not one size fits all Mm. now there's a review going on at the moment as to how we can create a kind of a system that would facilitate the life center and others across the country Uh, because invariably they start off either on a voluntary basis or a kind of um, charitable based people supporting it or funding it mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to then to get into the mainstream of funding and mm-hmm. we've created a lot of funding this year for the life Center yeah but again it's just is this kind of tension between the system yeah. and new ways of of, 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 of trying to bring mm-hmm. people into education keeping people in education yeah. and facilitating um people with different um attitudes and mm-hmm. and because young people are all different you know? everybody yeah it's yeah. just it's yeah. just
1: the task of like, The academic part is important, but it's not the most important thing. And you said earlier on, like... You know, people have the innate ability to self-actualize and find their own way. Yeah. And it's we also a refuge
2: for people, like at it a given is. stage in their life. Yeah. Like,
1: like, refuge might be the wrong word, but uh, kind of an oasis. A safe, space, like, like.
2: a safe space, yeah. 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 And that, that's important, you know, um, mm-hmm. without the fear of... of uh, and, and in the past, that wasn't there. Like, historically, yeah. if someone wasn't performing as school, you know, had dyslexia, very mm-hmm. often they were sent to the back of the class mm-hmm. or
3: sent out of the class or sent out of the school. Mm-hmm. And um, we were speaking about that... We were speaking about d- dyslexia b- before we started, like, and just to bring it up again, like um, maybe down the line, I, I was telling you that I was on a radio station recently um, being asked about my own dyslexia and because it was being brought in by the UK government that inside all schools, kids would be screened, you know, at a young yeah. age, so they can get whatever help. And we were speaking about, do you think we're actually much behind them in maybe getting that down the line or... Is it something that we have to start off initially like getting funding for different schools ourselves?
2: That's uh, one, one, my view is that we need to get the, the I hate using the word experts uh, or those together because the, the, there was a view that waiting for assessment, people weren't getting help in schools until they yeah. got a diagnosis. And so the switch was let's give people help before they get the diagnosis. My own view is we should be diagnosing much earlier yeah. in terms of early assessment um, because you need to know the particular issue that a child might have so that you can um, tailor your, your your response to the mm-hmm. child's needs as opposed to have a general view. So I don't think we're quite there at all yet okay. in that respect, but I do think we need to, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to watch very carefully what what's happening in the UK on that front. Uh, in my view, the and it's easier said than done in terms of the, ran- the range of people you have available to do proper diagnosis mm-hmm. and so on. Now, yeah. there, there's a lot has happened in the last year with Ann Rabbit in terms of assessment and next thing after assessment then is referrals and getting interventions. Mm-hmm. Like my own view is um and it started, we, we need more therapies in in, in the schools. Yeah. So I I believe that the therapist should be part of a school team. Mm-hmm. Um now that was the way in special education. And what happened then over the last decade or so uh, progressing disability has developed within the HSC, whereby you go to a center that's organized by the HSC, but you leave your school a classroom. That yeah you don't leave the school you know you're still in the school but you go out to get assessed mm. whereas i think multidisciplinary inputs are much more effective uh, so that the, the therapist is talking to the teacher they're talking about john or mary and how are they getting on mm-hmm. uh and it's a multidisciplinary team-based approach i think that's the optimal way to 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 the a, a school
1: yeah. and associate they're um slowly educated together uh dave cashman a rocky's yeah. man it's principal only about it's very much around being trauma informed and mm-hmm. for to be able to identify a child that's suffering some sort of a um, maybe a childhood trauma or adverse childhood experiences the term the ACEs. But um yeah. like if the child is acting out or the child can't sit still or the child is misbehaving, it's not like labelling them as bold and putting them outside the door. It's like investigate what's going on, what's here. Going on here. And being able to identify that. You know, but maybe that's not a part of core teaching. Well, Could you see you know?
2: when various schemes for disadvantage or dash came on and in the earlier years when drug task forces were set up in, in the nineties and two thousands, we yeah and i was involved in the area partnership in mahan for example and so on where we had psychological teams and i would meet them and they would say to me you know exactly what you just said that we don't know what a particular child might have gone through before they've arrived in the school gate i know the last thing they're prepared to think about is there's something that's going on in their head they're yeah. not listening they're not focused and i thought it was interesting one psychologist said to me that every child needs a friend in school
3: mm-hmm.
2: someone that they can go to
4: yeah
2: uh, in authority to say look I have a problem, and so on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the teacher; it could be yeah. somebody. Uh, I think we need to double down again on that in, in 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 schools to give the extra resources that the child
1: has a friend in school. But that
2: also we're better at identifying what's
1: going on here, as you say, mm. yeah. and yeah. Not, and not just their schools either, you know. Well,
2: sorry, yeah, it's every school really. Yeah. Where a child is a problem, but like but to integrate that into the yeah.
1: even in more more affluent areas, you know, there could be serious serious stuff yeah. going on yeah, at yeah, home yeah, there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the, point taken, yeah, you know, absolutely, of course. Um, of course. Um, right. yeah. If we go back to your story, yeah, we know we're, we're all very passionate about education, so it's great to talk yeah. about yeah. education. But I'd love to know, like how you got into politics and what was the, what was the draw to finna file, what was your early memories of politics and yeah is there anybody you like looked up to Jack Lynch I suppose yeah
2: absolutely. I mean I think the father was the biggest influence in my life yeah. the, well, we lived so near Creed Street like we get home every day for dinner like, excuse me I don't understand that today we'd have lunch at home like yeah. cabbage and bacon whatever the mother yeah. had on like in you go okay. the father we couldn't open your mouth one o'clock news is on so we're all listening to the one o'clock news as you're eating the lunch right and the father would be commenting so <laughs> So I suppose current affairs began then, like yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my mother's family were kind The father was more thinking. I don't mean that to disparage my mother; she was just certain, like, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. moving her. But uh, the father would think and give it different perspectives. But school then there was a great teacher in sixth class, Tommy Lend, and I think later on in life he he did he didn't bother preparing for the entrance exam to get into Crease Three, right? So if you would, that time was streaming, you know. So he would he was doing things like I was doing around the world in uh, sort of thirty minutes. I was doing broadcasting at twelve. And what I didn't realize is he was helping me with elocution, research. Mm-hmm. I was doing this naturally. Then he broke us up into groups and he'd leave the class and have a role there about politics. He'd say, my bro- brother was making crystal sets, my twin brother. i go home he had wires down to the, the, the backyard and we get Radio Luxembourg, like going, kind of magic. like. And he went <laughs> off to do science then in yeah. CIT and that like. And, uh, and that teacher to me, Tom Land, like was a genius, you know, and uh, he was the first teacher. The next teacher was Tony uh, Power. Increased rate, he was my English teacher, mm. fifth year, sixth year. He would want us to watch seven days. The prime time of its time was called Seven Days. You might see it on Reeling in the Years. Yeah, right. So he'd say, you go home now and watch that. Uh, and I want you to talk about it tomorrow. Only about five of us would do it. Mm. The rest of the class copped on very quickly that this was a great way uh, they could come in with no homework done and get away with it because he did say to me, look, would you ever get from Tottenham about seven days again? Like, I'd be seven, two other fellas be arguing about was in seven days last night and the rest of them would be thrilled. Keep it going as long as you can. Uh, and so that was, I think, interesting according to fears. No, I still wasn't thinking of going into politics. My first major rally I went to was 1977. Jack Lynch. My father, like made us sit down and watch Jack Lynch's Artish Speeches which at that time were an hour long mm. and he'd be kind of every now and again look don't know. he's fantastic and all this kind of stuff because mm. he played football with him yeah.
1: <laughs> Jack Lynch was a Shandon man wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he was yeah. yeah and
2: then Sean French was the guy that ran with him and Sean French was another Glenn man Saint Nick's man the father would be telling me stories how they got Sean nominated and so on like that the father was a very good friend of Sean French's um, and then Dan Wallace later came along and I was influenced by Dan Wallace as a student i had canvas for Dan Wallace mm. that's how I got involved then because and um, so the father would go and do the canvassing during elections He'd come back so it was in the household you know yeah, yeah. and then when I um, went to college I joined Fianna well why because I suppose that background is there yeah. education it, because I don't know and free second level education and this was a big thing in our family we were kind of in many ways a family that kind of came along that tide because we take it for granted we take it for granted no ed- free so, education but, yeah, yeah. You know, but it wasn't yeah. always like that no, wasn't always like that so um, and then the north like the north but young people today will not understand the north was the reason I got involved in politics like. mm. Northern Ireland was a uh, uh, in flames uh,
4: Thomas Gould said yeah, the same yeah, around you know, the hunger strike time yeah far like I was
2: 1968 69 I was eight or nine years of age from then on mm. it's bombs and bullets on the, on the screens mm. and so much so that when I was in college in my last year in degree program four of us went up to the north during that hunger strike period mm. and we met everybody I was it like it was very tense mm. and we met the UDA first and Chris Thore de Baroud, who passed away recently, he was the founder of an organization called Between. And he used create a refuge in Cork out in Spur Hill for loyalist prisoners' wives and Republican prisoners' wives. And they'd come to Cork for their holidays with their kids. And he kind of went up to him he gave me a bit of advice about going up to West Belfast and all the rest. And then he said, who's meeting you on the UDA side? I said, we don't know. We just rang him up and wrote him a letter. And mm. I said, you need to be very careful. He said, if I someone know. overheard that, like, or some other." Yeah. coach or a so you could be in real trouble like you know be seen as a traitor or yeah. something they? no no that they could be a fellow trying to do damage to yeah, others yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the UDA circle yeah, do yeah, stuff yeah. From the south. but in fairness to the UDA at the time like they, they had spotted that themselves and they said there'd be a West Indian meeting at the <laughs> train station. you know and yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that you have no you won't get picked up by the wrong people so we were brought yeah. to the UDA no they had a young guy who was meant to be young UDA okay. and it turns out afterwards when we went to a guy called mm. Alf Midgley who was a social worker in the Shankill and his father had been a laborer in the North in an earlier period. He was fascinating. Uh, and he said, Was a young leather. there with I said, Oh, yeah, he was representing young and UDA. No, no, he said he was in security. <laughs> <laughs> so we learned a lot like yeah, on that trip. Yeah. And I remember yes. we were getting a taxi out of the Shankill. <laughs> and we had a guy with us who was uh, from Dundalk. He became fairly significant in law later on in life. And he was a bit really, uh, you know, very outspoken um, on the hunger strikes and so on like that and there were certain things you said and didn't say in different communities mm. so he kind of nonchalantly said to the, the taxi driver coming out of East Belfast out of the Shankill and he knew from the cash, you know because mm. the one hunger striker was uh, very close to, to, to dying on yeah. that occasion and the taxi driver let rip like oh, yeah. and I was really afraid at that stage like and we mm. were in the back so. <laughs> We asked him what was the results cross-channel. No, this is July. <laughs> that's, that's how kind of tense yeah, we were, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's the results. <laughs> when he not ask like, him about the Harlem uh, results. Uh, exactly. <laughs> no, he says, the, the, the soccer season's were over a long time ago, you know. <laughs> 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 so, oh, <I'm> <laughs> exactly. So,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so anyway, he was
2: fine and he dropped us off. Uh, we went to West Belfast. Uh, we meant to, uh, we to make a social worker there. We were taken around West Belfast. Um and um, watched, saw the housing, met the SDLP, met Sinn Féin, met Alliance Party, met everybody that you could meet. It was a very formative experience. Met young unionists. And that really was a turning point in a way because we met them in their homes. Yeah. And it got kind of hot, like it got really hot. Because um, what that taught me, like, I, they'd say to us like, oh, you say it in the, in the, so it's, it's a uniform being shot. It's my uncle, like, or it's my father. I know. And I got very hot yeah. in the sitting room. Um, and you know, mm. to me, like violence could never unite people, you know, mm. and the scars of that are still there. Uh, and so later in life, when I did get into politics, i maintained that interest in the North and I joined, not joined, I was asked to go along to the British Irish association, which is an event that's held every year, either in Oxford or Cambridge where everybody to do with the North at the time, British army or I see politicians, British politicians, Irish politicians, civil servants would meet off the record. Uh, And that enabled people to sort of say, what could you deal, Mm. cope with if we move that? And bit by bit, you learn a lot more about the other side, so to speak. And then I went to Ballycastle on another occasion. I keep referring referring to that, which was a Quaker-led Reconciliation Centre or get to know you. and there was 24 of us 12 TDs 12 Unionists Loyalists yeah. and like it was very funny because like David Irvine who had spent time in yeah. prison Irvine were going on a concentric circles. when I arrived on a Friday evening they have all these techniques like so go around and stop who's opposite everyone's opposite me you know yeah and they'll ask each other who's the biggest influence in your life and mm. i said well my father was the biggest influence in my life and he said gusty spence like who was in jail and who had been found guilty everyone was a very intelligent man yeah and and to me
1: a great insight into our thinking mm. and and so you, Do you think that like if, yeah. if people are exposed to the other side a bit more it might kind of bring more understanding there was a every year pre-COVID times, no, but there's a criminology conference, North-South Criminology Conference, and UCC hosted there a few about two years ago. I know, Gareth Commissioner came down and all that. But there's an organization in the North called Wave Trauma. And there was five speakers came down, nationalists and loyalists. But this guy really, well, his story stuck with me. But he was a loyalist. He was a Protestant guy, but yeah. his wife was blown up inside in a bookies or a, a butcher's or something. chip shop, wasn't it? Yeah and right. like he explained that and um, you can be kind of naive from the south thinking like Torking. ira mm-hmm. fighting for freedom but then the realities of it like is innocent women being blown apart and then you would get to think like maybe it's time to move beyond the violence you know what i mean
2: absolutely i mean that's why like we were we were very um here the narrative was too simple down here mm. and that's what i meant when i went up on that visit that kind of to me thinking you know hang on a second there's, there's a lot of different angles to this um, than simply Brits out like which was mm. the kind of the thing in the 50s yeah. 60s 70s mm. we thought it was simple mm. in the republic it's not simple uh, lots of different identities but then it's interesting even when I met the UDA like they were very really annoyed at the British commentators calling Ul- Ulster drivers British <laughs> it's mm. kind of weird you know, yeah. they, they take umbrage of that then like you know that the, the, yeah. the, the, but there is an Ulster sort of unionist identity that, that has to be accommodated and then a lot of people want to get on with life. You yeah, know? Um, a lot of people want to get on with life, and particularly in the current situation. Like the good. I never thought I'd see a Good Friday Agreement when I was young. Mm. Never thought I'd be in a government that was there when the Good Friday Agreement happened. I, I had to pinch myself. Because you know, when you're thirty years like listening to the same thing mm. on the bulletins, you're saying this will never end. Mm. Uh, and we actually grew accustomed to it. I you know? know we've
1: a whole generation of people that don't know anything about <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. what you yeah. grew up. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. They don't yeah. know anything yeah. of bombs yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. like I remember when I was a child, you had Oma and and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, does take a long my time. nephews now? They don't know anything like yeah. that. No. Isn't that great? No,
2: isn't the way? Isn't that great? Exactly. You know, and there's still a lot of work to be done. We need to learn from it. We need to. We need to work and, and mm. keep engaging is what I say. And that's why I'm doing this Shared Island mm. agenda in my department. I've started a Shared Island unit. We're, we're doing stuff on biodiversity and climate on an all-island basis. Um, we're, we're doing greenways on an all-island basis. We'll fund it. Yeah. Just practical things. But also dialogue. So we had Patrick Keelty recently who gave, he just went viral in the speech he gave to the Shared Island Dialogue series. Mm. We have women meeting. Also new communities now like the new Irish or yeah. in the north as well as the republic yeah. what's their thoughts like you spoke
1: yeah. a while ago of alliance parties when you were a young student but that's huge at the moment they're big no they? yeah they've grown very significantly now. yeah you know yeah. yeah. um i think you were elected into this cork city council in 1985 is that correct yeah i've got. That, that, that was the era on was, on. no your grand that was the era he was born <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hope you. that makes Thanks you feel better <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> I, I, that's great isn't it you were, you were lord mayor in 1992 I was, yeah. So that was a huge honor at the time. That was a fabulous honor. Yeah, I loved it.
2: And it was, for Mary and I, it was probably one of the best years of our lives. first citizens. first citizens, we mm. just worked every day. like We never took a holiday check because we were so in love with the job. Mm. Uh, and it gives you a great insight into Cork. Like, you just meet every voluntary group. You meet every sporting group. People have great respect for the office. Yeah. Uh, and, then we got, and then I brought a lot of students. Or, I, I developed a history competition. Um, actually a council McCarthy McCarthy there I know he was the winner of the secondary level side of it at oh, yeah. the time uh, he's an in independent council on the south side and Bellevue I was was a great story The Han primary school won it it was a trip to New York right uh, for five days got a sponsorship premier lingus and all this kind of stuff and I'd go to all the schools and say listen I've just competition about history learn yeah. about your city etc etc and all of you could win it and they said stop saying that to the primary schools they're building up their hopes you know yeah. what I mean? well it's called, it was the um, the presentation primary about a fan came in with a massive model of the medieval city that they must have spent months putting together mm. and there was proper judges you know and all that yeah. Art Banbury and all these people and they wanted and just to perpetuate it was only the time, oh they went to to New York like great right. yes. uh, mm. so uh, what I loved doing that was bringing children into City Hall and yeah. what people said to me I didn't realize many kids didn't really know what City Hall was about like mm-hmm. uh, and some thought it was a dental Hospital or something like that, because people just get their teeth taken out. And I'm yeah. going to city hall. when I was young, I was
1: thinking it was like a nightclub because, it used yeah. To be, you know, yeah, that's what was going
3: through my used to be DJs
1: know. and in the city hall was in the like 90s. A, <laughs> there's a few nightclubs in right? Yeah, was like in the There <laughs> and, used
3: to be raves inside in the big hall years and years ago. That's that's right. Right. Well, when but when I came in in 85, you no, know, it's
2: funny like the water charges was the big issue. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like life coming back around again. Water charges was the massive issue, you see. Uh, and um, there'd be crowds in the uh the auditorium uh, the audience auditorium yeah watching on like and the first year dino Cregan, i think became lord mayor and dino kind of he couldn't get the vote through then for the estimate to six months later and dino's lord mayor it goes until about two in the morning he brings in the chips then because you know he's a chippers and so all the chips come in at about two in the morning for people to eat (laughs) Mm. and eventually we get it through by a vote or two I'm Lord Mayor the next year then. And again, I'm mixed up. That's 91, 82, yeah. But I'm, I'm Lord Mayor the following year. But water charges was the dominant issue yeah. from 85 right through yeah. until uh, I think the Labour Party time in 87 abolished them. Yeah. Because Dublin... Never had them. The rest of the country did. Mm. And we're get, they were getting by with them because you could do waivers that time for families who were more difficult for pensioners and that. Yeah. And then it was dead from 97 until uh, yeah. more recently it came back again. Mm. You know? So it's kind of came interesting. Came back with a bang. <laughs> yeah, came back with a bang. And, it was a, and I, yeah. I remember, I think it was someone said, like, like, I could see that this was going to become an issue again, whatever it is with water and, uh, and Irish people. It's uh, it's a bit like the field, Yeah, uh, you know? Yeah. I know, it just yeah. sparked something. And um, that issue went on for years. Yeah, um, and we used to these late night talking about, and not quite DJs or discothe- <laughs> discotheques aren't that. but uh, there were a lot of late night sessions because yeah. of water charges yeah, in City imagine. Hall from about 85 right through to the early water charges were the excuse yeah, yeah. right through to the early nights yeah. water charges
4: were the excuse <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, you had a tremendous amount of ministerial positions down through the years I know you're a shock, but one thing that I wanted to ask you was what was it like like your for all intents and purposes, you're a regular guy from Turner's Cross, you know what I mean? You're in yep. this important position. How do you deal with it, living in a world where some people hate you and some people love you? Like yeah. and, and it's like, no matter what decision you make, or no matter what you say, there's going to be a whole lot of people you're going to piss off. I know? wouldn't
3: say hate. I'd say a lot of people are so, like,
1: they are not going to make everybody happy, I exactly. suppose. You, you know, look, and people—most people, by the way, in life are regular you know, guys. Yeah. yeah. Regular people. You That's know? the
2: first thing I say to young people like you, yeah. look, your teacher. Goodness, that doesn't really—it's not the office you hold; it's mm. how you conduct yourself yeah. in the office. And so I try not change personality. Yeah. Yeah. I am who I am. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And uh, I treat people with respect. Okay. Um. In and, and, and civil servants and so mm. on, uh, and they can get a bad name and all the rest of it. Mm. But you gotta to, look. It's like anything. You've got to work as a team. You won't mm. achieve if you don't accept it. it's a team-based approach. Mm. You can go shouting and roaring, all right, for two, two months, but suddenly things won't begin to happen, you know. Mm. So um, I loved education. Like to become Minister for Education was a dream. Yeah. You know, and I had a clear, because t- I was opposition spokesman for three years, so I had a clear agenda.
4: Yeah.
2: And to be fair to the top civil servants in education at the time, they ran with it. Mm. We got an awful lot done uh and uh in terms of special needs education at the time it, it was a bit of a revolution at the time we uh brought in an automatic pupil teacher ratio which for children with special needs which they didn't have in mainstream education up to then until mm-hmm. 1998. um so that was the beginning really of mainstreaming of special needs mm-hmm. in, in national schools It's slower in, in in secondary schools but mm-hmm. it's happening also uh and then we did a big thing in research uh, technology, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff, um, and did, then primary um, school curriculum. So I love that, uh, yeah. and you know, those tough sessions with unions and so on like that.
1: But, but how do you, but, you deal with the pressures of the job? Um,
2: walking, yeah. Um, yeah. having good people around you, suppose, having good is people around you is vital. Yeah. By the way, yeah, and yeah. I have very good advisors. Um, yeah. My chief of staff, Deirdre Glan, has been with me since our health days. Uh, she's put up with a lot now, I can tell you. Like when she hears me you know, saying that I, I'm calm and all the rest of it, um. <laughs> so she's, she's chuckling a bit, you know. She's
4: one way out there. Ah, Jesus! Inside the room. Exactly. I like, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh And down through the years, like Christy Mannion in yeah. education and in health. Um, and like they they were through the journey on the smoking ban and so on. Like that, like, yeah. that was hot. Like that was. Yeah. You know, you're, the big fear, what happens if that goes wrong, you know? You and know. Uh, Part
1: of one of the biggest successes in recent yeah. political history for yeah. Holland, isn't it? Yeah, it worked very well in the like end. You it, can it, imagine yeah. what it's after saving us in terms of lives <laughs> and, you know, fiscal money and everything. Like. Absolutely. Well, health really is the
2: key yeah. ingredient in that, yeah. you know, and it will bring down cancers and, and also help improve our heart disease. Um, And uh, I I enjoyed, health was tough, you know, Mm. health had, you see, you have a number of, famously called Angola, famously called (laughs) Angola, but you have a number of fires going all the time, you know, and you're trying to develop a strategy at the same time and say, you know, we got to get a strategic vision for the future of health. Mm. But then there's a book out recently by Mark Henry, um, uh, fact at 100 and he takes a more optimistic view where the country has come in 100 years but his health statistics are dramatic mm. in the change in ireland in 30 years in health in terms of heart disease strokes mm. cancer survival uh, across the board the biggest one interestingly was vaccination yeah because in 1913 to 1920 it was 5,000 a year dying from tuberculosis mm. Like vaccination is dealt with that. It's dealt with measles, diphtheria, polio. TB. Dipleria, yeah. TB. Yeah. yeah, all that, you know. So like it's, um, it's, so it's in, sometimes we need to stand back from the noise at the moment and sort yeah. of say, look, yeah. keep and look, your eye on, you have to keep your eye on the strategic goal, you mm. know, and that's why smoke, that came into that. Like if we can get that out of the workplace, you can mm. save people's lives. You can save people going to hospitals. Mm. Uh, now we're living longer. As yeah. a people, that mm-hmm. creates its own pressures and tensions, mm-hmm. and so on like that. But I think, to, in terms, back to your question, you, you know, I think you do have to treat people with respect. Yeah, you have to count to ten yourself. You're not uh, an You know, you're 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 not the fountain of knowledge and so on like that. Uh, and you've got to, uh, and uh, learning for teaching. I remember it was Doctor Pettit, who was a famous lecturer in history in Cork. He, he died recently. Said to us, if a child asks you a question in the classroom and you don't know the answer, you tell the child you don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't pretend you know the answer and mm. give it.
1: But I can find out. Yeah, that's that. There's nothing
2: wrong with saying. Yeah. I don't know the answer, exactly. but I find yeah. out for yeah. you. And likewise, then, in, in, if you're a minister or teacher, you've got to be prepared yeah. to listen and take mm. advice, even if it goes against your instincts. Yeah.
3: Um, and um, it'll it'll work out in the end, you know. Yeah. I'll so, take a little bit off this the, on all the politics yeah. and stuff for a while, just back into the family life a little yeah. bit. Because behind every every man. Yeah, there is a better woman, and I know that from my own experience, with, with my own difficulties with, um, drug addiction and stuff like that. And and my wife has been my my rock basically down through the years. She's she gave me the the want really to give up the alcohol and drugs to to have the life I have today. Um, and your own wife is she? Do you have the same relationship? Is she is she hundred percent behind you? We, we we all know you've had your difficulties in the mm. past. You know, with with. with the passing of your, yes, your children yeah. and stuff like that and um, how, how how do you get on and how do you deal with everything <laughs> we right? got
4: very well she's yeah. <laughs> looking at yeah. you yeah. Yeah. So. I
3: know yeah I, uh, oh. choose your
2: next words carefully now <laughs> well mary like i wouldn't be where exactly i am yeah. right there's no question about that like yeah. and uh, we met in ucc we yeah. both love ucc uh because that's where we kind of fell in love when we met do you know the story like oh we were such great friends yeah. <laughs> before the other thing happens yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, So, uh, so, uh, and Mary's been with me since, and I think, you know, she's a great networker and she is the conscience, like she will, no matter where you want office Mm. you're in, it doesn't matter if something happens, someone in Cork or uh, Mary's on the phone saying, look, uh, that's so-and-so there now. And she has an incredible memory of people Mm. and who who is who like and who is related to who and who's connected to from Middleton. Mm. Her mother was a Court Sherry woman. That's why we have the love affair with Court Sherry. Because mm-hmm. when I went up with Mary, I had to go up with Court Sherry Because oh, she, yeah. her childhood years were... You didn't um, do too bad. <laughs> I didn't do too bad, no. Her <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grandparents were teachers there, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were national school teachers in Court Mac- and And league. So, And that's been a great thing for me, you know. Um, we used to go with the father to the other side of West Cork, to Ardfield and Red Strand and all those places. So we've had a kind of a love affair with West Cork as a family. With Chris Ray, I went to West Kerry. Mm. You know, but back to Mary, like without doubt, in the early years, she worked in headquarters as national youth officer when she left u c c she was recruited independently of me to phenophile as a youth officer um and You know, would have had experience of politics at the national level. That was huge for me because she understood the politician's life. Mm -hmm. So she knew I had to be at meetings on a Friday night. I had to be out on the Saturday. In fact, she'd be saying, "You have to go to that meeting." As opposed to someone say who had no experience of politics to marry a politician. They wouldn't know what
1: to get themselves for. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it's a huge. Like I'm married to this day. Like would say to any perspective you know like know what you're getting into here because this life and it's getting it's Mary was saying oh, it's a very challenging life she thinks it's much tougher now than it was when we started mm-hmm. um because I suppose of the online stuff and all mm-hmm. of that um and but, but so the fact that she had that intuitive knowledge about what it mm-hmm. takes uh, and she's a good judge and had a bit of hop on as well in terms of the within the party what's yeah. going on externally and so on like that so it's been a, yeah you're yeah. right like yourself yeah. a bedrock you
4: know
1: yeah, yeah. Um, um so and like timmy alluded to there as well um you know you had a tremendous amount of tragedy with the passing of your two had, kids yeah. you know if you not know, for people that are watching that would be able to have been through similar experiences what kind of kept you going or what did you do to kind of try, try to move past and you know was there any kind of was it exercise family
4: friends yeah
2: i just said look First of all, I'd say I'm always, I was—I always very lucky to talk about it in I one am. way uh, yeah. because we've kept it private as a family, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I found it very difficult in the beginning. Anyway, to be honest, uh, without getting into difficulty very really quickly for talking about it because we we lost Rory um, at five weeks from the cat death, uh, nineteen ninety nine, and then Lena um, uh, w- w- with a heart condition um, um, in two thousand and ten, yeah. um, and so. But I have learned of late that people do respond to you did know, you. what did you do kind of thing. And we yeah. all share the same experiences, actually. That's yeah. what you learn. Um, and um, so recently I did do an article with Jen Hogan in the Irish Times, which I didn't expect a response. Yeah. And it mainly was from people who've gone through similar traumas. Mm. And just to answer your question, really, it takes time, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, the immediate period afterwards is awful, you know, but we had two kids at the time when Rory died. And I always say they pulled us through because you have to get up. Like yeah. you simply have to get up, yeah. get them breakfast, yeah. play with them, you know. Uh, and, and therefore, um, and I remember at the time I was, I as as minister of education, and I was didn't know what I was going to do, you know, because yes. mm-hmm. it, it's a jolt. It's it undermines all your certainties in life, um, so I think exercise. You said it there uh, is very important, uh, and I often wonder. No, I kind of people laugh at me, you now because I walk so fast, you know, mm. uh, and they can't keep up. And Mary's laughing. <laughs> there, was a, there was a funny episode during COP twenty six. Um, the the, the climate change conference in glasgow and and, and, like the security force they've got two policemen kind of following you like and so i get out of the hotel i just literally go for it you know or or somewhere else and i'm just literally down the road because i want to get mad for the exercise my father had that two (laughs) years and the man apparently is chasing after me (laughs) and by the time he gets to the hotel room like he's gone like he's in deep trouble Uh, so i think the walking uh, is the is the key to me and uh, i read that too subsequently yeah. that you do need to get out nature is a great healer is, yeah. uh, and I, I i love walking uh, and i walk with friends now we you know and it keeps you fit as well mm. um and um work is important getting back to routine mm-hmm. um a good friend of my charlie o'connor who was a td and, and counselor some years back he lost his son and I remember going up to him and we had a chat. And we, I just, Charlie, like it was in the middle of the, the last local elections, and he was wondering, I said, just don't canvass for anybody. The people will vote you in, but you probably need that council experience later on. You'll need routine in your life. Yeah. Now it sounds very boring, but you do need routine yeah. and, and getting back to some order, uh, and you keep going. It, it never goes away. Yeah. Mm. You, you'll never forget, but you just, you gotta pick yourself up in life. There's, you to
3: you you give yourself time to, gr- to, to give that grieving process a bit of time. You, you know? do, and look,
2: yeah. Mary would say, you know, the, 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 every person will approach it a bit differently. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no kind of model to say to people, this is how you cope. You yeah. know, there's, there's coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that will work for some people that mm-hmm. won't work for for others. But I think
1: know? in in any type of recovery, whether it be recovering from a traumatic event like mm-hmm. that, or recovering from addiction or child abuse or whatever like that having a bit of structure to your day Mm. can only help you you know because it does keep you busy it gives you something to get up for um but at the same time there's no harm in just lying there too if that's what you need to do on that day do you know what I mean like don't judge like people be at home and they feel like oh I can't don't judge yourself don't be too hard on yourself give yourself a break and allow yourself Mm. time you know and a big part of this podcast is around like People like share and you know hardships and how they have come mm-hmm. through, you know, because it does inspire others and it does give no, hope. No, I those. think
2: it's okay to cry. Like, oh, like it we, is we, we keep need to tell people that, like, and mm-hmm. and uh, and don't bottle it up, you know. Like I was lucky. I think our, our families were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my brothers, sisters in laws, uh, yeah. they were superb. And uh, they gave us great support uh, and community, yeah. um, friends. Like you know, they they all rallied and that helps. Like, mm. there's no doubt about that you know it's that's
3: brilliant, brilliant. That's and, brilliant. Uh, but I just that course, a quick it? story i remember my mother was after dying when i was in the, the midlands prison you know she she died by suicide and i was inside and i was in, in an awful state at the time i was i was wasn't long off alcohol and drugs and um this will tell you know how trauma informed are inside there. I was in a bad way, you know, I had a lot of guilt and stuff, I was about 10, 9, 10 months away at alcohol and drugs and my relationship at the time, my mother wasn't great because I was going through a lot of therapy in the prison, uh, r- related to my own trauma as a child and the prison officer comes up to me and I was in bits and he says, well, you have to give it over and stop crying? God. I looked at him and I had to talk and my throat no, because I'm crying like, and I just, I yeah. can't, I said, because I was so I was so traumatized. I, I just said I can't. I, I really can't, and uh, it, it just it just brought me back when you were saying like crying is the most important. That's I, the old and school So much like yeah. that that period, like it's crying in the cell it helped me. That must have been an release. extraordinary experience for you, though. Unbelievable
2: to be in prison when that happened. Like and yeah, and to be
3: yeah. going through early recovery as well yeah, you know yeah. i was going through a lot of a lot of difficulties as well i was I had a lot of shame and guilt as well yeah. from, from my actions during um, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. during my time i, I was involved in, in drinking drugs and crime and stuff like that and and like that's one thing you do get when you stop that lifestyle is you get a massive con- conscience and okay. i'm mean, i'd be a sensitive person as well and, and all that stuff just came back I just had a lot of, do you know, there's a lot of shame around a lot of the stuff. But um, that's what happened. And after a while, I would have had this fighter mentality because of my upbringing, you know, having yeah. to fight. and yeah. do you know, being the oldest and being, uh, my mother being a single parent, I had a, and I couldn't surrender into the way I was feeling and just accept the way I was feeling, you know, because you oh, you can't cry. You have to be a hard boy, do you know, if yeah, someone yeah, sees you, yeah. you'll be vulnerable, <laughs> they'll take advantage of you. And after a while, it took me a long time you know, to really surrender and just stop and through years of meditation and just, it's okay to feel the way you feel, you know, and it's okay, okay. to cry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a little bit of a story. Thank you, thank that you. Yeah. To share yeah. that Absolutely,
1: yeah. One of the good things about COVID is in prisons, they have direct, they have access to the internet, Not true, because the video calls and the visits, but they can get YouTube in the prison cell. And our podcast is streamed into the prison cells. Was it? And mm. we've recorded a couple of podcasts in Limerick Prison with a female in the library and um, with a traveller guy in Cork Prison in the school. And we're doing a, a part of a series with prisoners, you know what I mean? So, Great. like, yeah. the idea that Timmy mm. can come from that lifestyle and they can come from, you know, addiction and prison Poor like that, but, but that you can actually go on and still go, do good things in your life when you get out with the right supports, the, the level fives, the level threes yeah. that you do, the junior sort, these yeah. are all beneficial and they help you when you grow so anybody can you know you can go through traumas like what you've went through you know with, the, with passing your kids Timmy, me with his mother um mm-hmm. but we, we can get through them it's not the end of the world you mm-hmm. know get You
2: well i think the fact that you can give a pathway to people like, yeah you, you can show yeah. them you know a, a very achievable pathway as well Very achievable pathway yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. exactly
1: but I won't keep it for too long more, but I just wanted to finish up and um since you went through politics, no, I'm not giving you all the credit now, like, yeah. but there's have to a tremendous amount of change in Irish society since the mid eighties to where we are now in twenty twenty two. If you were to look back and you were to pick maybe three or four, to know, of the biggest um achievements as of Ireland as opposed to Micheál Martin and Féine but But yeah. I, I I would mm-hmm. probably say the smoking man is probably one of them. Do you know, the um, same-sex marriage would probably be another. But there's have to be so many, isn't there?
2: There has. And i look at it a bigger I'd say, first of all, the, the fact that we're all living longer. Mm. Yeah. We stand back from what well, Irish people were dying too young mm. in the 50s, the 60s and the 70s. Like road accidents, I was looking at a statistic in that book. I think there was about 458 and 98 dying on roads. It's down to below 130, still too many. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole thing around that sort of health outcomes, apart from hospitals on it, but standing back, we're living healthier and we're living longer. And that's what we need to keep at. We're taller. (laughs) I think we're much more tolerant Mm. and liberal Mm. as a people. Mm. Uh, And I think the the, the Eighth Amendment and the um, marriage equality has taught us that. Mm that whole idea of diversity and there's difference and you must tolerate Mm -hmm. difference. And when you look at what's going on in some countries, authoritarian countries now, like I agree with Biden, I think it is that the struggle in the modern era is authoritarianism versus democracy and old-fashioned values of freedom of speech and all of that. That's where I think the big battleground is like. And we, in a country here, we have something good going here and we need to keep that going. And what I worry about at times is there there can be intolerances developed. Even Mm -hmm. with those who think they're modern Attack, yeah. uh, you know, uh, through an, over, uh, an over-exuberance an of sort of political correctness to say you, you, you can't say that. Again. You know. Know, we need to be tolerant of people, like people will make yeah.
1: mistakes in their lives. Yeah. And it's, it's and like the, go and get counter that cancel culture thing. thing yeah, I if just if that, worry the, about that because, because I think... There's, there's we, we'd have never been having the possibility to change, you know what I mean? That's like right, yeah. yeah. If, if we, if we just cancelled off stuff that we did years ago. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. people should be allowed yeah. to capacity to the, change. The other big change is population growth. Mm. That is the biggest achievement. Y-
2: you know, we were losing population up until the 60s, like in yeah. uh, yeah. Like we were 3 million people. Mm. Uh, we're now close to 5 million mm. people. Uh, you know, and uh, no, you might say, but that, that actually gives us critical mass as a society and economy, but it also shows success. Like this is a place where people want to live mm. uh, and it's growing. The other big one is, I think, industry. Um, the fact that we we really moved from an agriculturally dominant country mm. to one of the most modern post-industrial countries Tech in the world. Pharmaceutical. Tech, pharmaceutical, all of that. And you said it earlier. It's about the quality of the people who are in these factories. They wouldn't be here if they weren't getting the outputs, yeah. the quality, the research, all of that. And the other big one is education. I'll come back to it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. We have the highest level, I think, in Europe participation, in, um, in third level now, I think, in Europe. We have the highest levels of second-level completions we have to keep, we talked about life center and so on. All those centers help us to get those figures of second level completion Mm. uh, high, you know, Uh, because these are things I always look at because I think a child needs to be allowed to complete their education course. Thankfully, with FETAC and HETAC, we have the wherewithal to enable them to do that at their own pace. So those are very big things for the country. uh, And we must not lose sight of them because there's a danger. That you can do, side of them, and fourth, I say, is membership of the European Union. Mm. That can be controversial from time to time, yeah. but that was transformative mm. uh, and has broadened out horizons. Mm. It's interesting; the young people of Britain, by a majority, were shocked at the fact that they left the European Union yeah. because they saw opportunities for them as young people—you know—to travel yeah. across Europe without mm. any inhibitions, without any uh, passports or whatever. You know, yeah, um, and they felt that the older generations
1: left them down. By
2: they, did, did, they did, it, yeah, didn't oh, they? They like, did, they yeah. did,
1: big time. Like if we wanted to go to France and work in the morning or yeah. go to Spain or if we yeah. wanted to have an education and you know, another. And what I can understand, go. I was
2: watching, the there's a documentary on, on um, Netflix on, on um, the evacuation of Dunkirk. It's a series of on, on World War II in color. and colour. As academics and so on are inputting into the documentary, you know, it was extraordinary rescue. Mm. And they took thousands of French troops with them as well. And the evacuation from Dunkirk, mm. uh, which saved the war, like, because it would have been a much different Europe if that evacuation didn't, and it had a lot of look
4: yeah. and
2: all of that. But it kind of showed how bound up Europe, like, it's extraordinary that having had those common experiences, yeah. that that would happen. That so we need to be careful. I think we're a very pro-European Union country, and people are entitled to views on it and so on. But we always need to kind right. of uh, understand that it has been a positive influence, I think, from environmental issues. But above all, from from just broadening our minds, you know. But
1: even infrastructure that we have as well. Well, Yeah, early on. Yeah,
2: the cohesion funds and all that. Yeah. Uh, But we're seeing, like, as... Uh, when, during the COVID, actually, the early parts, you know, people were talking about banning travel and all this yeah. kind of stuff. You actually realize when we're trying to do that kind of stuff, we're a seamless part of Europe now. There's lots of Irish people working in Germany and France yeah. and in the Netherlands, you know, yeah. um, Belgium and so on like
1: that. It, it, and Cork is now the second biggest English-speaking Europe in the EU, our yeah. city. Cork yeah. is the second biggest English-speaking after, after Dublin. we're going to get an office (laughs) legging there they go again the cork we're always we're always out of number one on number Uh, two but you know what cork is a great place isn't it I, I love, love, I love yeah, Cork yeah, you know our yeah, yeah, iconography yeah. from Knock mm-hmm. is on the wall mm-hmm.
3: Christy Ring is on the wall the mm-hmm. is it's in the house, in the and, house. and great Cork will look completely different it's going to be to famous, one, think, even think, Marina you know, where we are now just yeah, yeah, some yeah. development it's
2: interesting you know, a friend of mine one of my boys came down during Christmas or before Christmas there was a concert with his wife and he said this place is happening he said it's a beautiful city and compared to Dublin he said or Belfast he said I can't get over it and and people do like visiting the city I love this inner city streets I spoke earlier about Dunbar Street and them and yeah. I used to work in a chemist when I was um, 12 mm-hmm. uh, sorry no, when I was 14, 15 I worked in Bennetts and Main Street when I was packing mm-hmm. shelves when I was a 12 year old and so we used to walk home like, the, we, mm-hmm. or get to number three but normally I'd walk like uh, the and so for the I the
1: south side was to be able to walk with no hills. No hills, you see, that's exactly <laughs> it.
4: Yeah, well, right we had some hills
1: south. <laughs> 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 have you ever walked Nicholas Hill? You? I know, yeah, I have, but it's not the same. I was
2: running from a gang there. Wasn't I want to. It's not the same. And I when said, I get up <laughs> Nicholas Hill, they won't catch me. No,
1: no. It's not the same when you go to the mine and you live in bad Heaney. It's hill. a
3: great city because it's so small it's, and in the middle the, it's familiar it's, like it's uh, every, everywhere is, is yeah. five minutes away from that's the, the beauty of it yeah. that is the beauty of it yeah. anywhere, you know? that's what I love about it yeah. and Cork yeah. you know? yeah. uh, people in general are just nice and people then you're, who get on to we all to agree with all, that right? yeah. but then you're close to
2: places like East Cork yeah. and West Cork yeah. where we have yeah. a charmed existence if we only know it like you know down to the sea you can get to the crossfire very quickly you can get to the get to to y'all you know the history there's
1: fairy forts and castles but we won't keep it much longer Thanks a million for coming on the podcast. It was a real yeah. honour to talk to you.
3: Thank you both very Thank much indeed. Very it's much. an honour
1: for me to be here. No, yeah. Barron. Happy New Year to you and your family. And uh, very best much of luck with everything. Thanks.
3: thanks indeed. And thanks to Mary for helping Mary there. Rose. Yeah. Mary <laughs> Rose. <laughs> thanks, Mary Rose. Not yeah, Mary sorry. the wife. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: everyone knows Mary Rose from the office. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant.
1: See you later, lads. Thanks. God bless. Hold
0: up.